0: Came so fast you can run his podcast at point five. Results are conclusive, just know that he argues both sides. His GM is a shadow of his former self. Talking gang yourself, The GM and the shadow. I've got the of romantos Let you in and out shadow, 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 shadow. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of Shadow of the GM Podcast. This episode is going to kind of be more of a sort of follow on some from, from previous episodes. So because of some call-ins, we're going to talk a little bit more about Against the Dark Master and Pathfinder 2nd Edition um, and chat a bit more around some of those things that have come up from the call-ins and some comments they made there. So this is more kind of like a, I guess, a part two to those. So without any further waiting, let's get into some of those call-ins and start picking into the integrity around those.
1: Hey Barry, Che, just wanted to uh, weigh in a little bit on Versus D. As an outsider, really, I I backed the game. I own the game, but I've not really played it. I've faffed around with it and liked what I saw. The more I listen to you guys, uh, the more I realise that I probably don't want to play it. Um, Definitely doing a very good job putting me off playing it, so well done on that front. Um, that being said, uh, the the second thing I want to talk about was this nostalgia for Middle Earth role playing, which, to be honest with you, I remember being as Role Master Light and basically very disappointing for two reasons. One was that it didn't have the full Role Master rules, and quite frankly, was light. Um, uh, but secondly, the the Middle Earth presentation, whilst you know all the places were in Middle Earth, it didn't feel like Middle Earth. It felt like fantasy game, kind of set in Middle Earth, you know, generic fantasy rather than actually tolkien-esque so again although we played in those places and had a lot of good times with them i I, when i read tolkien i was always disappointed by the Rollmaster and MURP stuff alongside that there's an interesting comment you made about the the thing with versus d about how it kind of mixes old and new school um and why would you do that and aren't you just going to put off you know each side each tribe is going to be put off by the content from the other tribe I just think that's classic tribalism. Um honestly, I think that you know, the attempt at sort of bringing together these different approaches to play is not necessarily a bad idea. Um so I don't know, maybe I'm going to have to like, you know, try and ignore you guys and your negativity around versus a, and um give it a go. I don't know. I was a massive supporter of it because I wanted to get Worldmaster back at the table actually. And um I saw it as a Rollmaster clone rather than a Merp clone, but maybe that's because I played Rollmaster before I played Merp, and that's as simple as that. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe we should just play Rollmaster like Jason wants us to. What do you reckon? Game on, man.
0: That was Che Webster there from the Roleplay Rescue um, podcast. So first of all, Che, thanks, thanks for the call in. Thanks for some of the challenge there on a few things. Um, I mean, the thing is that Merp is definitely delight Um There's no about it if you want to play role master definitely play role master i think to kind of come on what you said at the end of the message um versus d is definitely a merp clone not a role master clone if you're wanting to play something that's a role master clone there are actually still role master games out there so i'd say if you want that role master feel you definitely should play role master rather than versus d versus d is definitely more based on merp um just by the virtue of like the simplifications around the number of abilities how the sort of leveling type process works for development etc and the character creation process is a lot more like merp than anything else even more streamlined than merp was but definitely more like merp than anything else um i don't disagree around about merp being really generic fantasy game i guess uh, with the licensing kind of tacked on i guess the thing was that when like most people that played it that was the game at the time that i played that was token licensed effectively so that was the first game I could play where I could play in the Tolkien setting, and it had adventures set in that setting. Although, when I kind of look at it back now, they're really kind of a guess, uh, rolemaster type adventures. You know, there are standard fantasy adventures just with a sort of Tolkien mask on it. So you had hobbits, and you had you know the sort of high men, you know, type things from from that sort of setting, and you had the silver elves, etc., and things like that. So it was based more on on really that it was a Tolkien kind of flavor behind the races and things. But really, the sort of I guess the feel of it wasn't very Tolkieny. y um, if we want to get into that sort of level of detail behind it. So <clears throat> I think there's a fair degree to say that that was Merp in a an nutshell you know, in other ways. I, I kind of agree, I guess, that, you know, although I enjoyed Merp, I think if I wanted to play Role Master, I would play Role Master, basically, because there are things I do miss a bit around the essence and the channeling and stuff. I really like the kind of way the magic system worked in Role Master. It is a lot more fiddly, though, when it comes to character creation and stuff, and it is one of those things you've got to take that trade-off between that increased complexity around it. Just to pick up on the thing around tribalism, um, my, my point more, obviously, I'm going to stand by my point, believe it or not. I'm not going to say that tribalism is a good thing. It definitely isn't. But what I'm also going to say is that it does exist. And I think that's my point, is that these tribes do exist. And so from my point of view, it was an interesting marketing ploy, I felt, to kind of add in those two things. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to do. But it was an interesting thing to kind of mix in there. You know, I think there are definitely camps of players that fit into different camps. And again, you know, there are people that flip between them. I and mean, I play all sorts of games. I don't tend to sit in one camp. I don't sit in one tribe and say, oh, no, you can't have this. and You can't have that, you know. But I mean, the thing about the wealth thing is it's just not not my favorite of doing wealth, really. So I'm possibly slightly biased towards that one. It's not my preferred way of doing wealth systems in games. Again, not to say it's a bad thing. That's just my personal preference behind it. But I do feel there are players out there who will, you know, kind of be put off by that. And again, that's not saying, you know, that's the right thing. But at the end of the day, players are players. People like what they like. So people are going to fall into camp sometimes what they like. I mean, obviously, you and I, Che, we play a bit of GURPS and stuff. And like, there's quite a few people who are very anti-GURPS for, in my opinion, you know, ignorant reasons, really, because they've not really played it properly or played it in ways that can be run. They've maybe played it in a way that set a bad opinion behind it. And so, you know, tribalism exists because of reasons like that. So it's one of those things. I do try and fight against it and, you know. It's not putting me off playing it. Um, and in a minute, I'm just going to talk about actually our experience of playing it again recently and probably put back, challenge myself or kind of contradict some things I've said. Um, actually, what I'd like to do is that we're going to play another session of it against Dark Master um, in a couple of weeks' time. So I'm going to wait till after we've played that really to do my roundup on the thoughts. But fair to say that some of my opinions on how the game is going to run have actually changed a bit since we started playing it. It definitely was different than I was expecting, in a good way. Um, so yeah, uh, although not as much as the Valve System because I didn't really come into play <laughs> to be honest. But yeah, it was interesting to play it anyway. So yeah, I'll um, come back to that anyway in a future episode. But again, thanks Che for calling in. So uh, we're going to have Jason Cuddly next talk about Pathfinder 2, and then a few more uh, call from Joe uh, and Che as well about Pathfinder, and I'll sort of run up a bit more on my thoughts about Pathfinder 2. Although again, there is a third game of that one coming up very soon. Hey Barry, Jason here.
2: Am I the only one that was waiting for Joe to start singing about the age of Aquarius? Anyhow, as far as Pathfinder 2 goes, yeah, some interesting observations you make. I think um, didn't King of Dungeons do something similar where you use wisdom, which is effectively perception, the first round for initiative, dexterity the second round, and then constitution every round after that, you know, try to mix it up and the idea that what you observe and then how quick you react and then how good your stamina is something like that anyway but yeah I enjoyed playing Pathfinder 2 I mean I always enjoy chase games you know he's a great DM and the system's fine I've haven't played 3rd edition or 3.5 D&D or 4th edition D&D but I have played um, Pathfinder 1 Interesting enough, my Pathfinder 1 experience is a first-level human fighter, just like it is here in this Pathfinder 2 game. So I can compare kind of, sort of, apples to apples. So Pathfinder 2 is streamlined a little bit, from what I can tell. You know, the action economy is streamlined a little bit. I, I'm i fine either way, to be honest. I, I think the options... I, I agree with you, though, the direction's is kind of odd. I If you're going to give all these options, or, you know, give the feats and all that stuff, then arguably more is better. So if I had to go between one system or another, I'm not talking about GMs, I'll play Pathfinder 2 with Che, I'd be happy to settle into a years long campaign with him. But if you put a gun to my head and I had to pick Pathfinder 1 or Pathfinder 2, I would pick Pathfinder 1 because there's more options in the game. That's just me. If I had to pick between one of the Pathfinders in 5th edition, well I'd Pathfinder, definitely. I know some people out there are playing watered down 5th edition, but at that point just play a real OSR game, play BX or Beckme or something, right? If if you're gonna water down 5E, then why bother? And and if you don't water down 5E, then i you know I'd prefer I prefer this over 5e. But again, none of these are my preferred system. I'd much rather play like Barbarians or Lemoria. Than any of these games.
0: Thank you, Jason, there from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Um, just to kind of come on that one before I get too further into some of the other columns around it. Um, I mean, I guess it's one of those things about uh, it's got kind of personal preferences of whether you play Pathfinder 1 or Pathfinder 2. Uh, I mean, I'm interested in Pathfinder. I'd probably play Pathfinder 2 more than Pathfinder 1 at the moment, not necessarily because I think it's a better system, but because I played a lot of 3.5 and a fair bit of Pathfinder, and to be fair, if you played Pathfinder, you kind of mostly play 3.5. It's very, very similar. There weren't a huge amount of differences, really. They are practically the same game, really, so one experience is very similar to the other, and I'm kind of a little bit done with it now, I think. Mo- not, again, in a bad way, just kind of like that chapter's kind of closing, kind of moving on a bit, really, uh, trying out different things or other things, um, so I'd rather play Pathfinder 2. I think I'm on board with you that I would pick Pathfinders over 5e. Again, not because there's anything wrong with 5e, but more just because, I don't know, I think it's more kind of appealing to me in the way it runs rather than 5e does. So I think we're kind of a similar camp there. I've still not played Barbier Angelo Muria so I can't comment on your favorite system. But, you know, there you go. That's Everyone's got their favorites, haven't they? Anyway, so with that in mind, let's talk to Joe Richter. I think Joe Richter has some very good insight into this, given his very uh, vast experience with Pathfinder.
3: Yo, what up, Barry? I think it's pretty awesome that some of you anchor dudes are finally starting to play Pathfinder too. Uh, I can actually talk about it now. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, uh, you're 100% right. Paizo was trying to emulate the success of 5e when they came out with Pathfinder 2. Paizo did a huge playtest as well that got an insane amount of pushback and support. It was crazy. But, you know, Wheeler Woe, my podcast that isn't going on right now, it was the first ever actual play homebrew pathfinder 2 podcast and so i gave it a super fair shake more than a fair shake (laughs) i mean i ran that i ran pf2 for almost two years every week and it's a fun game but you know since the podcast stopped i've gone back to pathfinder 1 i i just i love it so yeah pf2 is okay but pathfinder 1 all the way for
0: me peace out so there you go, guys, if Joey says, you know, Pathfinder 1's the one he's going to pick, just burn Pathfinder 2. <laughs> Sorry, only kidding. Uh, no, again, I it would be a personal preference. I mean, it's one of those things, is it the one we grew up with? Um, so therefore, is it the one we have more tendency? Like I said, I'd actually be interested in playing more Pathfinder 2, I think, because I feel like I've moved on a bit. That sounds probably wrong. There's nothing wrong with Pathfinder one, but I think I've kind of done with it for now as a system. and I'd like to try some of the things out, so I'd like to try a bit more Pathfinder two. I mean, Joe, on the other hand, you played it for a good two years, like you said, so you've done that. You've done that already, so you might be kind of happy with how that's kind of gone. And I feel a bit. I was going to say I feel offended about do up play Pathfinder, don't play Pathfinder two. Play Have played a fair bit of Pathfinder one, so I'm always happy to discuss Pathfinder. But yeah, finally got my act together to play some PF two to give it a go. So you've not got the final word though, I'm afraid, Joe, because up next we've got Che again from Roleplay Rescue talking about his experiences of running um pathfinder 2 and a bit about you know responding to some of my comments on pathfinder 2 as well
1: hey on pathfinder it was really interesting hearing you talk about the power level being related to hit points um when i first read pathfinder second edition the first thing that really struck me was um how it combined an old arduin thing from dave Hargrave. dave hargrove had this idea that you got a set of hit points from your your race and you've got a set of hit points from your class and that's pretty much what Pathfinder 2 does so it's really interesting to me because you're talking about high power characters having lots of hit points and I'm thinking actually with original D&D it's exactly what Dave Hardgrave did and it was published in sort of what 19, late 1970s so hmm not really sure that it's a power group it's just that TSR's official thing kept character you know characters at low level very 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 weak with hit points which made for some pretty dull games where the character died very quickly I don't know horses for courses I guess but anyway just wanted to share that game on hey Barry it's me again um Pathfinder 2 yeah interesting your comments about Pathfinder 2 in relation to 5th edition 4th edition I'll be honest I was a person who played 3rd edition, of 3.5, all the way through the years 2000 through to about 2004-ish. Uh, so we're talking four years pretty much straight playing 3rd edition and into 3.5. And we moved to 4th edition and we moved to 5th edition. And I've played all of them. And I have to say that Pathfinder 2 felt more like 3rd edition than 5th edition does. Um, it felt like a streamlined version of 3rd edition. It felt like 3rd edition without all the fiddly stuff that used to annoy me. Um, so for me, it's more appealing than 5th edition is, which is kind of interesting, so maybe that's just some of the newness, um, but I genuinely feel like it's powered up, I think it embraces, like, DD 5th edition just feels like a sort of a mashup, middle ground, which doesn't really do anything, Um, yeah, I guess that sounds a bit negative, what I mean is, it's sort of a mediocrity for me, it's sort of like, trying to do everything, and none of them has done particularly well, and what I like about Pathfinder is it sort of embraces the high fantasy, high power. You commented on that. I do think it is more high powered than um, a lot of games. But I think that's always been the trend with the D&D lot. I think modern gamers like their power tripping. Um, that's the way it kind of goes. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that either because I kind of like it. I think it's fun in a certain mode of play. Um, I think just Pathfinder leans into that in a way that D&D 5th doesn't. I also feel as a GM it's easier to prep. I think the bestries and the other materials, the... There's loads and loads of example stuff in the core cool books as well. It's just really good. And um, it's also just slightly different. It kind of tweaks things. There are slightly different things in there too that I, I really enjoyed. So for me, it did actually, you know, as an ex-third edition player who doesn't really get fifth, I, I like Pathfinder 2. Anyway, game on.
0: Hi Jay, Thanks for that. I uh, guess to um, go into, I have to first of all bow to your superior knowledge about d and I have no idea about that variant of uh, earlier D&D where there was more hit points. I was very much raised on the 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 I guess official TSR moving up towards the coast kind of way of doing it with those little hit points until fourth edition came out when the high ones came in. So I guess that's my gaming experience. I mean I have played other games where you do have bucket loads of hit points when you start in an old fourth edition is the one I quoted. Um and I mean I am as susceptible as anyone else to, you know, community influence around that being a complaint around fourth edition when it came out about the quote-unquote ridiculous amounts of hit points that first-level characters get. As I said, it did seem high, but then I did almost die when a giant spider jumped to me. So, you know, it's not ridiculously high in a sense because, you know, it was still, you know, death was a coming at one point in time potentially for me. I wasn't this indestructible overlord of a character. Um, It's worth saying as well that Pathfinder 1, you know, The sort of high fantasy thing, I guess, talk a bit about that. That has been a Pathfinder of Stroke. I mean, D&D thing, I guess, for a long, long time. I mean, the third edition characters got pretty epic. Pathfinder characters got pretty epic at higher levels. I mean, that's not even mentioned epic levels. But, you know, the higher levels, they could do really ridiculously powerful, you know, souped up things. And so that's, again, you know, I think it's a fair thing. And again, that's what you kind of, I mean, that's why you play these games for, isn't it? I mean, I wouldn't play D&D like Pathfinder third edition so onwards to play some sort of you know weakling who doesn't really survive none of those games were ever kind of run that way in the way that the stats generated things you tended to have quite good characters and if you know if you're quite good at optimizing your characters they're quite good at what they were meant to do I guess we've had second edition earlier some of those ones were more like likely to die etc you go with the osr type ones like you know ose and things death's quite a constant companion and you know some people find that boring i think some people really enjoy that kind of style of play which is why that game sort of attracts some people still to it i'm ambivalent about it i think if i feel like, you know if i'm playing that game i want to know i'm playing a game where my character is likely to die uh, i'm playing in rob so minions um, from Uh, commissions of E-Timer is supposed to be playing his OSE game and I've deliberately not given my dwarf character much of a backstory because I expect that he could die quite, you know, highly likely to die in the first few sessions of the game whereas if I was making a character say for Pathfinder or for GURP something I'd like to think that because death not necessarily that constant a companion that I'd have you know I'd be able to like flesh out some of the backstory because it shouldn't die hopefully in session one and it's kind of one of those things and I think it's about having those expectations and like I said it before about Call of Cthulhu as well you have to go to Call of Cthulhu with the idea that your investigator is possible Is going to almost certainly die or go insane at some point in time depending on the campaign you're playing and so you've got to go in there with that open mindset let's not even talk about paranoia for that sort of sense so I think it's about about those games and what you're kind of getting yourself in for and i think it was just more interesting to see that they'd made that change and um, I, I didn't really mean it necessarily as a criticism i do feel it makes your character probably more survivable i think if you've got a higher bucket of hit points even though there are things that can do a lot of damage say there's less likelihood that you know as a first level character you're not going to get killed by one lucky blow from a kobold say if you've got 21 hit points whereas yes a giant spider dropping from the ceiling onto your head and you know using a special attack on you is probably going to take you <laughs> down hey i speak from experience um, on that one um so you know there was that kind of swings and roundabouts behind it and um, i mean really really enjoyed the game i want to make sure that you know no one's thinking i didn't enjoy playing that game it's kind of the experience i was kind of expecting with pathfinder so i was not disappointed in going to it that way so it's one of those things that i think um a little bit about you saying it's more like third edition than fifth edition um i guess i can still agree with that one i think because it still has that, in my opinion, the action economy, although it's changed, the action economy, the action economy is still there. Um, it still has the. It's kind of interesting because some of the mechanics about how multiple attacks are processed in the minuses is not exactly the same, but it's very similar to how PF one and you know third edition used to do it when although you had to be certain levels to be able to do those things it's kind of quite similar in those ways and um, and so I can see a lot of similarities behind it uh, the skills are streamlined which kind of reminded me more of a fifth edition thing I guess fourth edition fifth edition thing but then again the skills kind of maybe still map more to third edition than fifth say Um but yeah no, I know I kind of see where you're going like the feats and things and some of the abilities I can sort of see how it more harkens back to some of the more earlier editions and um, I think I also, well, no, I think, I know I agree with you a little bit on 5th edition. See, one of my comments I've always made, and I made it a bit in my 5th edition kind of retrospective review, was that when they did the playtest for 5th edition, part of me suspects that when you've done this almost building a game by committee, that you almost pick this very middle of the road thing, because you're kind of trying to keep as many people as happy as possible to sell your product as big an audience as possible and let's be honest it worked if that's what they were doing it definitely did not fail in that sense but maybe if we prefer a very specific styles of gaming that that system might not do it now i think there are ways of tweaking it and jason talked earlier about doing sort of stripped down versions of 5e i've seen deadly versions of 5e where the death saves are taken out and things like that and so there are ways to change it but then As a lot of other people have said, if you want to play a game like that, why don't you just play one of those games rather than changing 5e to be like that? And, you know, we go around in circles around this. And again, I'm not bad-mouthing 5e, don't have a problem with 5e. um, But I do kind of see, you know, where that kind of thing comes from. I mean, Joe mentioned, like you mentioned in this column, but in a previous episode of Colin about the fact that Pathfinder 2 also did quite a big open play test. And so I think that maybe shines through around some of those things. So this is, again, something the player base have kind of really wanted, I guess, from the fact that these changes seem to be almost, you know, asked for through that play testing process which is interesting to see and um, i think the problem is trying to now get wrestle that sort of top spot from the juggernaut that is fifth edition dnd is probably quite difficult for paizo but um be interesting to see how the sales really compare from pf2 compared to pf1 uh it's one of those things that i don't know if pf1 survived a lot on nostalgia for third edition and if you change that too much you lose some of that player base which is what I was saying I don't want to get tribalism again Che but you know there is that thing about if people are doing it from a sort of you know harkening back to those days that they remember about the third editions uh, whereas possibly some of us you know don't have that same because I mean really i'm a two edition person uh, to be honest that's where i started although i did do a lot of third edition and then i moved through fourth and i actually quite enjoyed fourth a little bit when we did play it um but then kind of moved on to back to second to mess around with that a bit and then kind of missed a lot of fourth and then, then they moved to fifth i did the open play test for fifth edition and came through fifth edition so you know i've kind of moved with the whole system all the way through and um, so i'm probably a bit more open-minded around all the different changes and things uh, but yeah i don't really disagree around it i'm going to stop talking now i'm going to start rambling i can tell Um, But it's one of those that you know I really certainly disagree. But you know, does HP equate to power creep? Maybe not. But you know, I think there's definitely something in there. It's it's interesting. I guess from my point of view, it's more an interesting decision, a design decision they seem to have made, where it's almost like the wanting the first level characters to be a bit more survivable, to have that kind of you know you're not dying at first level too much. Um, not that many of my players in my games ever died at first level anyway. It did happen sometimes in third edition, but you have that quite good to minus ten hit points thing going on. Anyway, not getting too much into that. Um, but I do think it's an interesting choice they've made is whether that was to make players kind of survive a bit or not feel they were too useless. It's one of those things I find around getting into PF2 a little bit too much <laughs> is that when you bring in the mechanisms whereby, say, you can always cast cantrips, so you carry on doing something like, you know, as a cleric, I can keep casting, you know, Disrupt Undead, or, you know, we can cast Light, or the mage can still cast his, like, you know, attack spells and things. Lightweight of Frost, um, if you've got a decent amount of hit points, or there's ways to recover hit points that don't require you to leave the dungeon for three days and do masses of healing, that what it does do is it keeps the game moving, really. And I think there's something about, and I do kind of view this, that there was a lot of attrition. I remember in the days when I used to play, if I'm going to ramble here, um, second edition, there was a lot of whinging <laughs> from the players about, oh, the buzzer's out of spells, we have to go back in camp now and rest, that kind of thing. And I think there was an element of... Um, that game mechanism disrupting play and disrupting some people's enjoyment of the game. So when you add those things in to remove that blockage, so give people a bit more extra HP, give them spells they can always cast all the time, it means the game can keep running a little bit longer. There's not the stopping and starting in the flow of the game, I guess. This is very gamey, not very simulationist, not very you know, realistic if you want to get into you know, verisimilitude vers- 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 around the thing. You know, it might not necessarily match your style of how the world ought to work, but it does maybe keep the game moving and keeps that enjoyment factor going. And I do wonder if that's some of the aspects around some of the decisions to kind of keep that sort of going. Um, and that's one of the things I kind of liked when they did it in 4th edition and they kept it in 5th edition was the idea that you can continually do stuff. And it gets criticized sometimes about, oh, it's just Rare Frost, Rare Frost. All the time, but yeah, but maybe, but you know what? At least the game keeps moving. At least you don't have to go back and rest every five minutes. You know, and that does get frustrating sometimes in games. So I kind of see it from a design, game design point of view, I guess. Anyway, like I said, I was going to stop ranting, so now I'm going to stop ranting. <laughs> So that's it for this episode I think. I do have a few more call-ins around some things like GURPS and a couple of other things but I'm going to save that for a second episode just because I don't want this one to be too long. And also because I would kind of like to get a couple episodes out this week to make up for how long the delay has been. Uh, apologies to those who called in a hell of a segment to make this episode. It's been a bit of a hectic life uh, around work and... Uh, well, real life, and also the fact we're actually gaming for a change, which has been very nice, yeah, but it is delaying my podcasting, unfortunately. Um, but hopefully, it means I've got more like you know, business end stuff to talk about. So, thanks go to Jason Connolly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast, to Che Webster of the Roleplay Rescue Podcast, and also Joe Richter of the Hindsightless or Wheel of the Wolves. So I don't think I called out your podcast before. Um, podcasts so thanks again for all your call really value the kind of conversation and the challenge back and you know it's nice when times you also agree with me about some stuff but you know i also enjoy the challenge around those episodes and so until next time everyone keep on gaming